Hi guys, welcome to the third episode of the Mad Monday podcast. Today we were lucky enough to have our first guest on the show. He's a legend of Auckland rugby and won two Super Rugby titles with two different franchises. We will definitely be getting him back to share more of his story. A good mate and just an all-round top bloke. Without further ado, give it up for Kevin Nepier. Kevin Nepier. Up, Kev. Hey, hey, hey. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Can I say what an honour it is to be the first... uh, First uh, guest in the studio, um, and thanks again for explaining to me what a podcast is. <laughs> Save, saves me having to try and look it up and figure it out. So yeah, cheers. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Is it your first time? First time in a studio, Kev? Or? Actually, no, no. I've been in a, a few studios in my time, and, and sung in a couple of studios too, once or twice. So not not my first rodeo in terms of uh, interviews, but certainly first time I've been interviewed by a good mate. So. Pleasure there you to be go. Here. There you go. Hey, we'll just uh, crack into a bit of a chat. So, um, just first off the bat, for those that are um, maybe born in the 90s or part of the millennial group that might not exactly know who Kevin Nepe is, um, do you want to give us a quick rundown of a brief history of sort of, I guess, the early years of your um, playing days and, and then, um, yeah, the later, later few stages as well? Yeah, well, look, um, <laughs> it seems like a an age ago now, but uh, um, I guess I started playing organised sport uh, when I was 12, I think it was, um, and league, as it turns out. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so the, the, I, know that, I know that game's that's, uh, that's close to your heart, and being mad Monday, it's, let's, let's start there. Um, with a with a club called Ellerslie Eagles, um, I grew up in an area um, in Glendowie, and there were two streets, two state streets in Glendowie, Madeline Avenue and um, and Esperance. And <laughs> I grew up in Mad Ave. Oh, they call it Mad Ave now. Um, with oh, so some, that's still still around. Are they? No, they call it Mount Taylor Drive. So they oh, okay. they got they, they kicked it. They, they kicked it. They kicked all them. Kicked all the state houses out. And um, with the with the new land developed some some really nice properties in there, um, but uh, there were a couple of guys on the league thing that stayed across the road from me, Kevin Edel and Tony Edel. Oh yeah, they're still yeah, around. Yeah, those and, boys. and um, you know here's me name dropping now, name dropping, and also another guy I played um, league with who 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 went really well was um, Troy Kinney. So uh, you know that's the that's the sort of elk that uh, that GI produced back in the day. Those types yeah. of players, and actually, funny story. Um, I was across the bar the other day with a with a with a friend that was sitting there by himself. So I went over and started talking to him, and you know, we'd not known each other very well, but certainly had a beer with each other for the last five years. Yeah, and uh, we started talking about the rugby, and I asked him, "Did you play rugby when you were young?" And he goes, "Nah, Kev, I played league." <laughs> I went, "Oh shit, so did I." You know, you know, just got to conversing about players we played with all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, look, I, uh, I played with um, Troy Kenny. I went, Fuck, so did I. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And then later on, I played with um, a couple of Edel brothers, you know. I said, mate, <laughs> they lived across the road <laughs> from me. I'm going, what a small world. He goes, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. When were you playing back in the, back in the day, back in Ellerslie? And I went, oh, hang, actually, hang on. Just the day before, I was around my sister's place, and there was this photo on the wall of a, the old league team. So I took the photo of it to show my kids. Yeah. And I said, listen, have a look at this photo, see if you know anyone in that team. So I got the photo on my phone, I, I made it uh, larger, I enlarged the photo, and I saw this uh, amongst the sea of dark kids, 
uh, I saw this white kid standing right in the middle. <laughs> and the initial was A Pain. And I, said, I, I looked at him and went, hey, Al, what's your surname? <laughs> and he goes, Pain. Alan Payne, I went, you're not going to believe this. I showed you, but we were in the same, the same team. Ah. We were in the same team way back in 76, I think it was, for Ellerslie Eagles. There you go. We'd been drinking on and off, you know, having, having a good old time and didn't even realise. Didn't even realise. What realize age group we, was that? So uh, under 13s. Uh, yeah, under 13s, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and we were actually winners back there of the, oh, I forget the name of the cup. I'm sure I could find it, but... Um, there's, probably, there's probably no Mad Monday on the back of that. <laughs> there's no Mad Monday story on that. <laughs> the, no, parents, the parents might have had a Mad Monday story. Funny, funny you say that, though, like, I guess back in the day when, when, when league wasn't... Well, I guess professional sports wasn't what it is now. Um, there would have been a few cross-code sort of, sort of players. Like, I, I, I know even uh, great All Black captain Tano Umanga played a lot of league when he was younger and... Got poached into the rugby uh, yeah, system, yeah. so well, I believe guys the late like that. great George Nepia also, bloody. There you go. Any relation, Kev? Well, as it turns out, you know. <laughs> um, but look, it's uh, yeah, that, and that was just the freakiest story. I showed him the photo, and we were sat there for the last, the next half hour, just gobsmacked. Couldn't there, believe we'd actually played together. So yeah, then, he was bigger than me too, so he's going to hold that against me forever now when I go to the pub. There you go. Yeah. So uh, early years of league, and then obviously transitioned into rugby when you were. Well, no, there was a there was a bit of a hiatus. I didn't didn't play any organised sport for a wee while because um, we moved out of the area. Yeah. Um, so the the most the, the, the well the most influential guy at that point was a friend's father. So he was with Alice Eagle. So he dragged me along. Yeah. And that's kind of a common theme throughout my life. I guess um, the next person to drag me along was the late great Eric Kulhase. Oh, right. uh, who was an absolute legend of New Zealand softball yeah. and Marist softball and, and obviously played uh, rugby to a very high, high level as well at Marist. So um, he saw me sitting on the sideline of a softball game and just said, let's get that kid in here and see what he can do. Yeah, And then just transitioned to rugby and I guess the rest is history. So dragged along again by another influential man in my life. Uh, so, yep. So that was, oh, so Matt, that brought you to the Marist club. So you me mentioned Marist. the other day you you won eight finals, was it, in a row? In, well, in Auckland, was that before or after the sort of Blues or provincial? So this is before, before. right? Uh, well, before enduring. Yeah. enduring. Um, I started playing uh, rugby at 19 or 18, I think it was. Yeah. So under 19s, obviously under 21s, um, and then um, in the seniors. And it just so happened that before I started playing senior rugby at Marist Prems, um, the the side the front row retired. Oh right. So it left a big massive hole. So you know the the the, the spots were up for anyone to grab. And I was yep. playing, still finishing the softball season at the time. Oh okay. Um, when I was too old to play twenty one. So I guess I'm I guess I'm twenty two now. Yeah. And uh, pretty was, young for a prop. Well, young and geez, I, I really didn't know what I was doing either. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'd be the first <laughs> one to put my hand up looking back and going, what the heck's going on here? You know. Yeah. Um, but and obviously a pretty physical, <clears throat> physically sort of gifted human, would you say? Yeah, or? I guess. It, it took a lot of determination, though, too, because it doesn't yeah. matter how physically gifted I was or thought I was at the time. There are guys that were playing there, like Olo Brown and um, Phil Coffin back in the day and uh, 
John Drake, who who were just masters of scrummagery, and uh, is that a word, scrummagery? Yeah, well, let's well, make it, it one. Now. It's it mine. On, there you go. On the Mo- uh, Mayor Monday podcast. Uh, I'm scrummaging anyway. You make up any word you want. <laughs> hey, suppose, it's yours, yeah, right? Shit, I would have been in almost the nappies at that, at that age when you were just learning the ropes on, from Olo Brown oh, and the like. Well, look, and I say I'm the first to put my hand up because coming up against those calibre of players, I ended up on the ground with my face in the mud going backwards 100 miles an hour. I distinctly remember trying to drop and um, I think it was full cough and just go, no, no, and pick me back up and just march me backwards. It was was bloody hilarious. Well, I wasn't laughing at the time. (laughs) Beautiful. I I certainly wasn't laughing. So that was a baptism baptism of fire going into the the Maris Prems at that time. But um, look, uh, it's a sink or swim situation and... Uh, the 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 main main advice Eric gave me was just hit him hard, hit, hit him fast, square, yeah. and uh, if that doesn't work, hit him again. <laughs> Sweet. So um, after after those Marist years, so I guess what was your first year into the Auckland Provincial Team or the? Um... Yeah, um, I guess I played. So we won we won the first Gala Shield for the club in forty five years, I believe it was was the last time they'd ever won. That was in eighty nine. That was luckily that I mean. That's how lucky I was. It was my first year in Prems. Shit. The club hadn't um, won a championship or the Gala Shield for so long. Um, and you can imagine the, the party after we oh, did. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, now, we don't, we, we don't have a mad Monday. Yeah. But it was uh, Saturday night through Sunday through Monday. A lot of people not turning up to work <laughs> on Tuesday. Going into work Tuesday, I need to tell them you're not coming back and you're back at the club on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it was, right. it's got to be it's got to be done. It's so a bit of a celebration. Got to celebrate the wins. Yeah, you know, we, we we weren't that conscious and and aware about our bodies back then and didn't realise how much harm we were doing to ourselves, drinking alcohol. So you know, a lot yeah. more sensible now. Yeah, obviously, obviously, and a bit more professional, I guess. So a lot more professional. These there's uh, there's the whole uh, role model ideology and the um, and I guess they're getting paid now a pretty decent wicket so so they have to sort of abide by the uh, employment regulations oh, of their employer absolutely and you know and the, and the game's better for it it's so much more exciting to watch so yeah. I'm sure it's so much more exciting to play as well and be a part of so awesome uh, so and then maybe fast forward to the Blues the Blues team so I think were you in a winning squad and the first in the inaugural year, were you? Yeah, so um, when I say during, we, we, we started in 89, and I guess last year I was there, it was 96. So that's eight straight trips to the final, which is, um, which is really cool. So we never had a, a mad Monday per se because we were always in the finals. Yeah. And so it was like win, lose, or draw. It was a hell of a party back at the Maris Club. It was incredible. Awesome. C- certainly the place to be, and a lot of our mainly Ponsonby, but sometimes suburbs. They'd, they'd come and visit as well just to see what all the fuss was about. They heard about these mad buggers at the Maris Rugby Club enjoying themselves even when they lost, you know. It's, they're crazy, but um, they'd come back. So And you're still involved down at the club now, aren't you? So uh, it's been a lifetime. Sort of. uh, I've been playing President's Rugby for the last seven years. Yeah. President's Rugby, I, I didn't realise how much I'd missed it till I had my first game back. And it was a bit of fun, just an excuse to get a sweat up and try and keep healthy and then have a beer with the boys afterwards. You miss that feeling in the change room when you haven't been there for a long time. So it's kind of special. Awesome. Yeah, guitar and, well, with this team, there's a guitar, saxophone, uh, a a bass. There's some talented talented rugby players out there. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the rest. And then, obviously, Super Rugby started in 96. Yeah. So that was my last year with Auckland. 
and um, I was fortunate to be part of a, a great era in Auckland rugby. Um, I started my provincial team uh, rugby in '92, and then obviously the Super Rugby, which is what we're alluding to, was started in '96. That was yep. the first first ever professional game or recognised professional game where players got paid. Uh, yeah, well, I guess what was that like? What was the perception among the boys transitioning from that, um, I guess, non-professional era into that first professional game? There was, you know what, there was, I've been asked this question a lot um, over the years and there wasn't really much of a transition in terms of how we approached the game. Oh, right. Certainly in terms of preparation and planning uh, and, and how much hard work we put in that was certainly at the forefront of anyone that was part of that Auckland era in the 90s and, and obviously following through from there on. I guess if you've got the, the, love, the love for the game and you, you're doing it for that reason first and foremost, then um, a, paycheck, a paycheck at the end of it's not, not, yeah. not going to change the, uh, that, the motivation was, too much. It was certainly something nice to look forward to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that you could... Because I, I struggled to find work because the first thing potential employers asked me was how much time do you need off yeah, and back then Auckland was travelling around the country with the Ramfilly Shield so it, it actually ended up being about three months if you added it all up depending, yeah. on, how, <laughs> yeah. depending on how successful you were you know the team of, was there's a wee bit of annual leave there then. well there's a wee bit there because you, you had the end of year development tours you had um, tours during the year obviously tours over to South Africa yeah. you travelled down the country with the Ramfilly Shield so there's a lot of time a lot of time off so you know I feel uh, I think um it's great that it's turned professional, that guys can actually dedicate their lives to the sport that they love. But, you know, back then we loved the sport before it was getting played and, and, and everyone still loves it, you know what I mean? Mm. But the transition was really that we were getting paid now. Yeah. You, there was such a high standard back in Auckland Rugby back then. And it was just, you, you either succeeded or you got the out of dodge, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's just the cauldron that was Auckland Rugby back then. And then... And then um Played a couple of years as well for the uh, Mighty Crusaders from my hometown. <laughs> I did, I did indeed. Now, the, in 96, um, there was a whole lot of talk about this professional era and people wanted to go somewhere else. And I, I knew um, I'd, I'd given it my best shot at Auckland to try and get in the starting lineup. Yep. And, you know, I, I was never one to quit. Um, but it was time, I think, that I finally tried Spread to move somewhere wings. else. Well, Spread the wings. Yeah. It was told to me that, um, you know, you're never going to make the All Blacks off the bench for bloody provincial team. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, 100%. You, you probably want to move now. And um, I think the timing was right. I was ready to. But um, we couldn't move in 96. I think they just wanted the, the idea of this professionalism to settle first before there were any transfers so that they could get their heads around what, what, that, um, what, what the repercussions were. Yeah. And so I moved in 97. Uh, yeah. So won the first inaugural Super Rugby Championship with, with the Blues. Yeah. Which was amazing. And um, at Eden Park too, by the way, against the Sharks. And then in 97, um, was asked to consider going down to Christchurch. And what was the... Uh what was the uh, culture difference between, I guess, Auckland and, and Christchurch at that time? You mentioned to me before was it, <laughs> so, the transition was a bit of a bit of a change up. She was she was a bit of a change up. She was a bit of a change up. One of my friends that was down there, Mark Mayer Hoffler, actually rang me before I left. He said, "Bro, whatever you do, bro, don't put your your phone number in the in the phone book because, geez, you're going to get some weird phone calls." Bro. <laughs> Did you get any weird phone calls? I, I, to be honest, um, I, I, I thought I'd check 
the box that said don't put it in it actually ended up in and I got two phone calls that I remember one was from a young young man that asked if I'd mind signing some stuff if I sent it to him. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah, and the other one was from a, a lovely old lady, I forget her name, but wishing me luck in the, I think it was the uh, NPC final in 97. Yeah. So those are the only two phone calls. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it's, is a wonderful place. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Absolutely beautiful place. <laughs> there you go. No, gosh, it's a good, good city. I spent a few years there, so um, obviously had its tough times lately, but... Shout out to Christchurch, it's done a, done a lot for me and obviously you enjoyed your time down there. Uh, so Look, I think um, I've nothing but fond memories of Christchurch and Christchurch people, mm. to be honest. Uh, the way they welcomed us with open arms and made us feel at home, you know. You it was go. fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's not just the players, the, the management as well were very instrumental in making, making sure every box was ticked, that you were comfortable and oh, cool. you had every opportunity to succeed and then, you know, the rest was was up to you to work hard and earn your spot really good to hear and then so from there you went you played a bit of France as well I think we were the way I found this out or wait hang on are, re- we, are re- we going to get on to how we uh, we won the second yeah okay. oh yeah sorry yeah I, I think that's track, a, I think that's important track, yes yeah. especially with the, the, the team that <laughs> I support so yeah go, for, well, it, look, go you for know, it especially being a Canterbury man go, although go be, before that before that so let me just go back to the NPC in in 96 uh, we were in the NPC final at Eden Park and we played counties oh, right. uh, that was for Auckland and we won and uh, obviously in 97 I moved down to Canterbury and our Super 12 season we finished middle of the table around that time Yeah, um, which was from 12th to middle was a huge improvement mm. um, but still nowhere near where the standards were where we wanted to finish so but good start roll on to NPC, and we make the final again. Yeah, right. This time at Lancaster Park. I think it was a pretty. I only know it as Lancaster, so it must have been yeah, Lancaster yeah. Park. I think it went from Lancaster Park to Jade Stadium. Jade Stadium, that's and right. And then AMI, and now they're looking at building a new one, so hopefully that gets underway soon enough. Yeah, so we, we played the final at, for Auckland in 96 uh, against counties, and yeah. again against counties in 97 down in, down in Canterbury at Lancaster Park. So. I think from memory, I might be the only guy that actually played for two separate provinces uh, and won two first division titles for two different two Oh, different shit. Clubs, yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, I don't ever... Uh, we're through. We're, we're only early in the podcast, so I don't have a fact check <laughs> fact checker on this episode. Bring, bring but, that up uh, on that screen there. But Jamie, <laughs> yeah, Jamie from the Joe Rogan podcast, that's his job, mm. but we don't have one of those yet, so we'll, uh, we'll just have to take your word for it next. <laughs> then obviously... Um, Roll on 98 and the Super Season 98 and, you know, we, we didn't start too well from memory. I think we lost our first three games in a row. I'm sure someone can check that, but it, it meant that we needed to win every game um, leading up, leading up to, to even make it to the playoffs. And um, obviously we did. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Beat... Uh, beat Auckland in the finals this time, and um, for Canterbury at at Eden Park. So there's the there's the two Super Rugby titles. There was a uh, all right, so two 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 different franchises as well, yeah. Yeah, but they yeah. weren't they weren't consecutive. But look, um, I don't think I'd be the only one to do that because you could you could jump on a draft system in Super Rugby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas with NBC, you actually had to transfer be from, or be the, from there. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I think that's a little more difficult to try and try and emulate in Super Rugby. Yeah. So was that, 
going back a few years now. I still, I still watched all those finals, but um, was that Afato? Yes, Afato so, Suel. And he did that wee chip and chase at the end yep, of the game. Yeah, and, it was amazing. And ran around two wingers and un, un, in the far corner. Obviously, being a leaguey, I, I watched rugby when I was younger, but I wasn't. Actually, no, James, James Kerr scored the winning try. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about something else. Uh, the well, amazing Afato Suel. That was uh, against the he was incredible. Highlanders in the... In the Maybe the next year. No, oh, okay. But yeah, oh, right. it was uh, going back a wee while now. I forget who kicked it through. Um, we were hot on attack in Auckland's 22, or half anyway. Kick went through, and um, James Kerr got to the ball first, scored the try. That eventually ended up being the winning try. Beauty. Yeah. Any uh, Mad Monday celebrations after that? One, <laughs> Pretty sure again it was, oh, look, the, the reception, as is the case with any you win but I think it was even sweeter for the people in Canterbury because it's been a long time since you know they've, they've been from 12th to and I don't think anyone's ever done that that massive of a turnaround in a, yeah. in a single season go from 12th one year 6th the next year to winning the winning it outright in the third and year. then from then on you were, you were the start of a bit of a dynasty I guess well no no that was that was yeah that was me I was I, le- yeah, I left yeah, after yeah. that, but um, yeah, you, you look back now and go, "Holy crap! Look what they've done!" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's those those good people that were there that set it up was stayed there, mm. and were very influential. And so, who would have been there now that people still recognise that are still sticking around at the moment? Do you? Uh, well, obviously Wayne, Wayne Smith, Smith was yep. the the architect, the instigator, whatever you will, and mm. Robbie Deans. And I think back then it was. Um, oh, I'm gonna forget it. Ford's coach. Oh, this is terrible. Wiley. Peter Sloan. No, Peter Sloan. Sloan. Oh, okay. Peter Sloan. So it was those three that um, that really set that foundation in place. Yeah, I watched um yeah. Wayne Smith. He was around for years in the Crusaders system and I watched the um his documentary, I don't know if you've caught much of that, but he he said pretty clearly within that documentary what's what's allowed the Crusaders to be able to build that um, success over a long period of time has been the um, the grassroots rugby surrounding that area. Um, and I guess, taking it back to rugby league, that's something that's it's not really not really developed that well, I guess, the grass grassroots. Um, you've obviously got rugby that's the the big sport in New Zealand and, and that, and just like during your era, era, there was guys that transitioned into rugby and if that turns out to be more successful, I guess, sort of get lost in the rugby system mm. as opposed to the league. So, yeah, it's interesting. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, well, and, and obviously the, the team from back then is, is still evident in rugby these days. You've got a lot of the players that are coaching now for a lot of the super franchises. Yeah, exactly. Um, guys yeah. like Daryl Lilly and uh, Mark Hammett. Um, mm. um, Who uh, else? Daryl Gibson, Darryl. he went on as well. Sorry, not Daryl. Uh, Scott Robinson. Gibson, yeah, Scott yeah. Robinson. Scott Robinson. I said Daryl Lilly, Daryl Lilly. Flower. Flower. <laughs> it was uh, Daryl um, Gibson. Daryl Gibson. Daryl Gibson. Gibson. Uh, and, um, yeah, Scott Robinson, obviously. Yeah. He came through with a fresh, young-faced, open-side flanker. Cheesy was something special. You knew that straight away. Razor sharp, Razor, Razor, Razor. Sharp as a ginseng. Razor. Razor. <laughs> Um, Matt Sexton, who's you know still part of uh, New Zealand rugby. Yeah. Um, Stephen Lancaster started back then in the in the old days and become part of the uh, management side of rugby as well. Yeah. Um, Tumbine Matson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tumbine yeah. Matson, he's, he's, yeah. he's still coaching as well. Uh, those are just the coaches. Then you got 
guys who are still involved in rugby com- in, in, in commentating with them. Obviously, the two M's of the four back at the devastating back line, yep. Marshall and uh, Mertens. Mertens. They're still involved in the game, so... It's pretty Majors, cool. the major brothers. Ma- well, look, I, I played with the younger, uh, the older major, the younger one I didn't play with. Um, so, um, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. Was he in France as well at one point? I don't know. I don't know. But I played played with Nate back then, and obviously he was too old to to play with Aaron. But yeah. you know, obviously he's a, an amazing player as well. Yeah, that'd be pretty good combo going on there. Hmm. So then, after leaving Crusaders, back up home was it? Uh, I left the Crusaders and went and played in France. It was oh right, yeah. straight over there. Yeah, I remember the reason we were talking about that is because we had a wee night out with the some of the some of the lads and bump me and you went out after one of the games and um, we were we were speaking a bit of um, slightly oh. slurred broken French <laughs> to a couple of That's right. people in the bro- in Brito about it. Well, hey, how do you how does how do you know how to speak any of that? Nah, yeah, yeah surprising, it's crazy. But interesting as well. So maybe talk us through some of your time in the in the sort of south, same sort of area. Yeah, south, it was. It wasn't south far west, from where you were. Southwest of France. Yeah. yeah. So I went up there with um, uh, my wife and uh, Tabs and his wife, and we spent a bit of time in Brive, which is obviously south of France. And it, the difference with the little city that we lived in, it was the the major sport as opposed to football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the obviously the support we got was just incredible. Um, and obviously, being from New Zealand, having seen me and Tabs on the on the in uh, TV uh, at the Super Bowl final, they just thought we were absolutely God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so it was yeah, pretty. It was, it was pretty humbling. It's surprising, yeah. like you say, you mentioned um, being from New Zealand. It's surprising to me the amount of French guys over there, or French guys that were wearing All Blacks tops, like they literally just rock around in All Blacks tops yeah. all of the time. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but obviously, you know, people are that passionate about the sport as well. Yeah. And we've seen that in the, uh, let's not talk about it too much, but the 2007 um, <laughs> quarterfinal where we all bloody were just gobsmacked. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So how many years there? Just, just the oh, one? Oh, just, just, the, just one. the one. The, the idea was, you know, just try and bump around as much as I could to experience as much as I could when I, when I had the time and had the yeah. chance and the opportunity. Yeah, I was going to end up going down in France, uh, in, in Italy, a oh, friend yeah. over there playing down there, but did a little detour up into up into Harlequins, up in up in England, mm. um, who uh, was coached then by uh, Zinzan Brook and Bernie McHale. So they said, "Oh, I'd come up here for a look." And he just uh, bumped up there and, and then broke my leg. Oh yeah, broke my leg and then came home. All right. So okay. that, was the, that was the end of the... Did you get a bit of travel done around the greater sort of Europe? Yeah, we did. We area. did. We jumped on a, a camper, camper van, I guess you call it, but it was like a mobile... Not on Ventor, were mobile, mobile house. <laughs> and just um, left tra- the last training one night and just headed south. So went down into Beritz and come yeah. across to the... San Seb. San Sebastian. San Sebastian. Come up around the French Riviera. And, and run with the bulls? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah, I guess that's um, one thing that I mentioned in the first podcast, just the opportunities that um, that league and rugby are able to provide um, for, for young guys, even even if you're not um, professional um, as such, there's still the opportunity there, especially in those, I guess, more de- underdeveloped rugby nations, there's yeah. the opportunity to play at a good level and 
um, they'll look after you if you go over there and experience, like you say, experience the culture of people, do a bit of travel and yeah, it's it's really cool too, and that's it's it's the work ethic and the the ethos that you learn from rugby. Yeah. And I'm sure there are other sports as well, but I can't talk to those. I just talk to rugby. <laughs> the 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 work ethic and, and and the reward when you when you work hard, uh, that's instantaneous in rugby. But it, you can that flows over into the the professional era or business era uh, realms as well. Mm. Um, just the ability to work hard, see the greater picture, trying to work as a team, a team environment, a team player. Yeah, uh, I think that's why you have so many. Uh, coaches, all black coaches in particular, um, high level coaches, going to do motivational speak to big companies because mm-hmm. there's a lot to be had out of um, what what we teach or what you what you learn in, in playing rugby and being part of the sport. Yeah, I mean it's oh hundred percent. Yeah, especially in a specialized sport like rugby, everyone's got their roles and they and they stick to what they're doing and specialize in that. In that particular role, and then um, the way you work that role within the team, concentrate on your job, and then the rest plays out, and the team performs overall. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I think I'm trying to teach my kids that that same that same ethos as well. Hard work, uh, you know, hard work and reward. Nothing comes without hard work. Nothing worth anything anyway comes without hard work. So all those old adages, all those adages. spoken like a true prop. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we've covered off most of the most of what we were going to talk about. Um, I guess there's a couple there, a couple there that if you can think of off the top of your head, maybe the best player or the toughest player that you've played against, maybe pick one of those and and then why. Toughest player, toughest player. Oh, look, I yeah. I was so fortunate to be part of an amazing era, who had some absolute. Tough man. I mean, you heard about Buck Shelford and the <laughs> and the yeah. rucking, yeah. and you know he's losing something up the side. I think that was on the air when I was younger. I mean, it doesn't come any tougher, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think in terms of just fortitude and, and dedication, hard, hard. Certainly from Auckland, anyway. Uh, Sean Patrick, one of the hardest bloody players. Just kept going. Yeah. Um, but other things that um, stick out are uh, Michael Jones snapping his Achilles and then coming back to play. You know that. That to me is a, a toughness in itself, and and again John Kew and you know both legends of rugby, yeah, uh, New Zealand rugby, not just Auckland rugby, but again him coming back from a snap to Achilles, those, that to me is just how how do you do that? You yeah. know how do you how do you get that kind of injury at the top of your game in the toughest rugby playing country in the world and still make it back? Mm. What was the turnaround period? Do you remember? I, look, I, I can't it remember. Was towards but, the end, yeah, wasn't it? It was. It was. But then, you know, going down to Canterbury, if I could look at that uh, in, a, in a different light and different eyes, two of the most toughest guys I'd ever met, pound for pound, were Leon McDonald and Angus Gardner. Yeah, right. The, the, Leon McDonald had no respect for his body, yet he was half the guy, size of the guys he was trying to nail down. Not I guess that was around as well before the old HIA uh, yeah, rulings yeah. as well. <laughs> and I, I'm sure I've seen Leon... It was. It would have been. I mean, like, there would have been games where it would have been. Even I couldn't out, help being inspired looking back. It, someone had run around and he's coming across. He's the last line of defence, and he's just, he's just throwing everything into this tackle. And you, you, you imagine pieces of debris flying everywhere. It was yeah. that kind of carnage yeah. that he would throw into his tackles. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that, that was, that's good. It's good it was to hear him back. And obviously, But Angus Gardner, Angus Gardner, yeah. again, another, another, and he won't mind me saying this, another small guy compared to most forwards with one of the biggest hearts ever. And I, I remember, I distinctly remember, it's hard for me too, because, you know, too many knocks to the head and brain cells, <laughs> yeah. but one moment that sticks out was he, he'd made a tackle in a game. I don't even know whether it was a super or... Um, an NPC, but he made a tackle in the game, got up, ran back and made the cover tackle as well, then got up and turned the ball over. It would, it, real, eh? and, and the guy would go into the change room just absolutely spent. Yeah. Now, most are, every, you know, I'm not yet, but that to me stands out for us, for someone who, who isn't big. Didn't leave any for the aftermatch. Didn't. <laughs> I mustn't have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> plenty for the aftermatch and plenty for the songs. <laughs> no, yeah. Awesome, awesome. That's interesting, yeah, to hear a, um, a back in Leon McDonald wasn't one that immediately leaps to mind, but obviously had the respect of the playing group. So, well, awesome. Certainly had my respect, that's for yeah. sure. Cool, okay. I think we've covered off most of our stuff. Um, unless there's any other stories or... Um, um, experiences that you want to finish off on to leave us with otherwise we'll uh... I've, I've heard of the Mad Monday stories and I'm, there's nothing that I'd, I'd like to say to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. obviously you, you get up to some mischief but um, no look just part of um, the relief I guess of having played a season and, and if you're fortunate enough to win um, I think sometimes it's lost that players are just human yeah and, and, and sometimes when you let your hair down you get a little carried away but yeah, you know, it's, it's that release, uh, all the relief of, of, of coming through a final. And if you finally win, just being able to let your hair down and you know, it goes on a little longer. Then I probably wouldn't go on that much now, nowadays. I mean, yeah, well, I, think, I think they're thinking about scrapping it, especially in league. Oh, uh, is that right? Just, just obviously last year, a couple of incidents and the media got a hold of, of the story and got it out there. So, like I, I said in the first um, episode, um, yeah, like you say, the idea behind it is right, is the, the guys put in the graph week in, week out for a season, like NRL's 26 weeks, and then if you make the finals, it's another, you know, month on top of that, so <coughs> the idea behind it is um, is correct, and I think they, they did obviously deserve something at the end of it, but um, yeah, I guess some of the activities that happen might might need to be changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah sure. I guess, I guess perhaps it's, it's time for a few more controls. But I don't, look, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to play in this area. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. being under the microscope all the time, yeah. it'd be, be hard not to slip up. But, and, you know, we see, see guys doing it from time to time. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to play in the area that I did. And, you know, it was such, a, such an amazing time. Amazing time in my life. Awesome. All right, Neeps. Um, Beautiful. Thanks very much. Bro, for uh, coming along, and I know you were a bit, a bit nervous um, coming in, not knowing what a podcast was first and <laughs> foremost, and then, uh, and then also just obviously if it's out there, it's out there, and you don't know what or who might get a hold of it. But I think we, I think we, there was a pretty controlled, uh, controlled we um, episode. So thanks very much, bro, and appreciate. No, you're welcome. And, and in uh, terms of uh, people who have interviewed me, I make that, that was probably the smoothest one I've ever. There you been. go. <laughs> Just, so well done. We're just having done. a yarn. We're just having a yarn. All right, we'll wrap this up. All right, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Um, episode two, done and dusted.